Hello, and welcome to the Simply and Fiercely Show, a podcast for women who want to clear their clutter and create space for freedom and joy. If your life keeps getting bigger, but not better, keep listening to learn about decluttering from the inside out. It's about creating a life that's aligned with your values and priorities, so you can have more of what matters and less of what doesn't. I'm your host, Jennifer, and I'm so glad you're here. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. It's Jen here, and welcome to episode 10 of the Simply and Fiercely show. Today, we're going to be talking about simple living, but more specifically, I want to share with you some of the lessons that I've personally learned in the past 12 months. So just to dive in and to make a long story short, the past year has been one of the most challenging of my life. Now, some of you who are long-term followers, you probably suspected that something was going on. I took about a six-month break from the podcast. I stopped writing blog posts. I stopped showing up on social media. Basically, I just went offline completely for a while. And the reason that I did that is because I was dealing with some health problems. I'm not going to go into all the details, obviously, for privacy reasons. I will let you know that it was nothing life-threatening, so please don't worry. And um, I'm on some new medications now, and I am feeling so much better. It's fantastic. But what I will say is that when I was unwell, it was more than the physical sickness. It was a really difficult time, and I was dealing with challenges and struggles that were sort of beyond I've ever had to deal with before. And I guess I'm pretty privileged in that I've never had to deal with health issues before, nothing long term. If you have, some of the things I'm about to say probably won't come as a surprise to you. But what I learned pretty quickly is that on top of being ill and having the physical symptoms, which are obviously not fun, there are so many additional stresses, anxieties, just the mental load of it is shocking. So on one hand, there is the really practical side, like dealing with the doctors, going to appointments, having to tell your story over and over, lots of tests. And for me, I really struggled. I had no idea, I guess I was really naive about the healthcare system, just that sometimes it can take a really long time just to get a diagnosis, just to get something official. And then on top of that, for me, there was a lot of red tape to get the medication that I needed. That was very stressful. But perhaps even worse was the stress and anxiety that I felt about not being able to do the things I normally do or Just that worry, just that mental load about sort of dealing with the uncertainty, dealing with the, am I going to be better? You know, when, when is my life going to go back to normal? When am I going to be able to get all these things done? Even when you've been sick short term, you've probably know that feeling of looking around your life and your home and seeing all these things building up and thinking, how am I ever going to get called up? When am I ever going to get back to things? Right. And so that was a very overwhelming as well. It was sort of the combination of all of these things that made the year so stressful, so challenging. Now, what I will say is that I've obviously gone through difficult times in the past. I would say that I would even argue that I've had times where I have faced bigger challenges. But looking back, what I realized is that in the past, I've either been able to, one, power through my problems. Like, for example, when I've had work problems or I have had financial problems, especially when I was younger, quite big financial problems. But I've been able to deal with them through hustle. One of the things I actually used to think set me apart was that I was willing to work harder than anybody else. 
I needed to work two, three jobs, if I needed to work 80 hours a week on top of a full school load, I could do it. And I was always able to hustle through. I was able to use grit to solve my problems. And I guess you could argue whether that's a good thing or not. That's not really the point today, but just saying that I've been able to fix myself. Or alternatively, another thing that I realized that I used to do a lot was if I couldn't fix myself, I would run for my problems. So as some of you may know, I used to be a shopaholic. And um, a big reason I can see now that I was a shopaholic was that I used shopping to hide from my problems. So instead of having to feel emotional pain, instead of feeling hurt, I could just go shopping and let the dopamine hit get me through for a while. Or on a much more literal scale, as I got older, I spent a lot of time throughout my 20s traveling. In some ways, a really brilliant experience. But I can see now that I wasn't just traveling for the sake of traveling. I was traveling often, quite literally, to run from my problems. So something difficult would come up in my life, something that I didn't want to deal with, and I would get on an airplane and fly away. But, you know, now things are a bit different. As I said, I was ill, so I can't exactly control that. I can't make the doctors fix me. I can't hustle into fixing myself. And I can't run away either. Well, first of all, I didn't feel well. But also I'm 41 now, I've got two kids, I'm married, I've got a business that I run. I have to stay here and deal with this really tough situation that's beyond my control and I have to face it head on. So that was very challenging. (laughs) But now that I am on the other side, what I'm doing is I'm spending a lot of time sort of reflecting on what happened and trying to see where things could have gone different, perhaps what I could have done better. And I want to point out that I'm not doing that in a way of being judgmental. Like I'm not beating myself up saying, hey, Jen, you idiot, you should have done things better. You made your life harder than it needed to be. Instead, I am practicing something that I'm quite passionate about. I teach it in all of my programs and it's called compassionate curiosity. And it is a powerful tool for simplifying your life. And it's just looking at when we have clutter or when we have things that are out of alignment with our values and priorities, like we're shopping too much, or we're too busy, we're saying yes to things that we don't want to say yes to, or we're keeping things and we don't know why. What we can practice is compassionate curiosity, where we're not judging ourselves, but we're trying to get to the root cause. We're trying to understand why you can't declutter that dress. We're trying to understand why you feel compelled to shop. We're trying to understand why you always say yes, why you are, how you fall victim to people pleasing, for example. And so for me, I wanted to sort of understand why this was so difficult for me. Obviously, there's clear reasons like being sick, but I just wanted to do a little bit of a deeper dig, see what I could learn from it. First of all, to make my life easier in the future. Well, obviously, I hope that I don't get sick again. We all know that there's going to be adverse times, right? Things are going to get hard. We go through hard times. That's part of being alive. So is there anything I can learn from this experience that I can take into the future? so that I can make better decisions. And also, obviously, having this podcast and my blog, I enjoy sharing these lessons with other people. I think that the best way to learn is through storytelling. So that's why I'm here. I'm just going to tell you a little bit about what I went through and what I learned in the past. Actually, first, I'll just really quickly say, I don't think that anything I'm sharing today is completely new. It's nothing groundbreaking, but I think that there's a big, difference sometimes between intellectually knowing something and actually road testing it in your life. 
right? It's kind of like, I heard someone say this example, you could watch a video of someone doing cartwheels and that's great, but you can't actually learn to do cartwheels until you practice them yourself, okay? And in that same extent, it's like not just practicing once, you've got to do it over and over until you get better at it. And I think the same thing happens with simplifying. I've done a lot of it in my life, but I'm always learning. I'm always getting better. And the only way that I do that is by doing and by reflecting on what I've learned. So enough with that. The first thing which I'm going to share with you, which is incredibly simple, as many of the things I teach, but not necessarily easy. And that is how important it is to practice acceptance and to make decisions. So stick with me. I'm going to break this down a bit more for you. Let's start with an example that I think everyone can relate to. Have you ever had one of those days where you were just absolutely exhausted, right? Maybe the kids are even driving you nuts. You've just been working a lot, whatever it is. You get home. It's like eight something at night. You sit down on your sofa. You are shattered and you just want to go to sleep or you just want to veg out and watch TV. You just want to rest, right? And there's part of your brain that's going, of course, you deserve it, right? Logically, I think most of us know that rest is important, self-care is important, that we don't have to earn rest, right? We know that on an intellectual level. But when push comes to shove, the reality is that most of us also have a second voice in our head that's sitting there nagging you and reminding you of all the things that you should probably be doing instead, okay? So it's like, oh, part of me is like, yes, I just want to sit on the sofa and take a nap. But the other part of my brain's going, hey, there's clothes in the washing machine and your inbox is overflowing and there's dishes in the sink. What I often experience, and I don't think I'm alone here, is that when I'm in that situation, I feel conflicted. I feel torn in two directions. Part of me, yes, wants to go to bed and part of me, yes, wants to get these things done. So what often happens is I stay up late. I don't get anything done because I'm too tired, but I don't actually rest either because I spend all that time sitting there beating myself up. And I don't let myself go to sleep because, you know, sometimes I delude myself into thinking I'm going to get up and do the dishes when we know that's, you know, two hours have passed or I haven't gotten up. But basically, you just sort of live in this state of anxiety and stress where you're not resting, you're not doing anything, you're not getting anything productive done. You're just kind of in this lull where life feels pretty crap. If you can relate to that, if you've ever experienced that, that's pretty much a summary of how I spent a lot of the past year just on scale. One thing that was really difficult for me is that on a physical level, it wasn't always consistent. I would have some days when I would wake up and I'd actually feel all right. I'd be like, oh, you know, it kind of tricked my brain. I'm like, am I better? And then the next day I would wake up and I would be sick again. And there was no real rhyme or rhythm to it. It was very confusing. And what I found is that was really challenging because it started to break my self-trust. I got to the state that on the days when I wasn't feeling well, I couldn't really trust my brain. I would have a lot of inner conversations that were along the line of, are you sick or do you, are you just being lazy? Are you really unwell or could you just push a little harder, right? So I was kind of in that mindset that we were talking about at night when you're tired and you're trying to get things done. Only I felt like that, like I would say like 75% of the time. Throughout each day, I was like, oh, should I, you know, maybe today is the day I'll start blogging again. And then I'd be like, no, what are you talking about? Like, you can hardly get out of bed, right? You can't really think you're you're in a brain cloud, brain full. But I was constantly conflicted 
constantly battling myself over whether I should be doing things or whether I should be resting. And I dealt with that for like a year. And look, I'm going to be honest, that was probably one of the toughest parts of being unwell. And it got to a point where I actually started seeing a therapist about it because I just, the anxiety and the stress and the way that it just built up, it was kind of like a snowball coming down the mountain. It just got worse and worse. I think potentially my self-trust became even more diminished. So I really just felt lost every day, overwhelmed by all the things that were building up. It was just a horrible feeling. So I um, fortunately, you know, reached out and I was working with a therapist and we sort of came to the realization that there were two key things that I really needed to work on. And it's quite funny because when she was telling me about this, I was like, oh yeah, this is what I teach in some of my programs, but about decluttering as opposed to how to overcome healthy anxiety. But the things that she talked about, as I've already mentioned, are about acceptance. And I mean, she also talked about letting go of control, which is sort of part of acceptance and making decisions. And so for me, for example, it was, and again, this is going to sound so simple, but it's so powerful. On the days that I'm sick, I just need to accept that I'm sick and rest in the same ways that on the days that you come home from work exhausted, sometimes you just need to accept that you're sick. We just got to have, we have to get a bit better at knowing our limitations. You know, it's funny after when I was putting together some notes for this podcast, I'm thinking about this conversation with my therapist and I went back and I found a blog post that I wrote in 2017. So almost six years ago, where I talk about this exact same thing about how important it is to know our limitations. And I'm actually going to talk about that a bit more in the second lesson that I'm going to share with you. But if we think about it, I guess, maybe for you, if I'm looking for some practical examples outside of myself, it's something as simple as when you're decluttering. Okay. So one thing I see often when I'm trying to help people declutter is they're going to keep, they want to keep something, some dress that they've got that, that still has the tag on it because they might use it just in case. But what they probably do is every time they look at this dress, so every time they declutter, or potentially every time they look in the closet and see this dress, they're thinking, I really should get rid of that. I never wear it, right? That's the one side of your brain. But the other side of your brain is saying, hey, maybe you should keep it just in case. What happens if you need to go to a cocktail dinner and you don't have that dress? What are you going to do? You're going to be so stressed and anxious because you don't have the dress. So you're in this sort of state of indecision. And so you do nothing, which is funny because obviously that's kind of a decision as well, but you choose to keep the stress in your closet. So anyway, what happens is every time you open it, you feel that stress. And I know it might not seem like a lot, but it builds up over time, right? It's like that stress and anxiety. It's like um, what I talk about at the end of the day when you're not doing anything, but you're not resting. Every minute that ticks over, it gets worse and it builds up. It's the same kind of thing. Every minute or every day that you keep that dress in your closet, that it's weighing on you, right? That mental load, you may not even realize it, but it ticks over and it adds up over time. So let's say that you keep that dress for three years and you finally declutter it because we all know that you're going to declutter, right? It's funny because I think sometimes our guts know, like there's so many times I talk to people and they've hung on to something for years and then when they declutter, they go, I always knew on some level that I was going to declutter it. And of course you did. You're not wearing it. You're going to declutter it, but you're afraid. So what you went through is you chose three years, let's say, of daily stress and anxiety of keeping something that you know 
that you don't need versus because you'd rather deal with that than the potential stress and anxiety of making the wrong decision and then one day needing that dress and then not having it. But let's be realistic. If that's happened, it would be stressful, but you would find something else to wear. You'd buy a dress, you'd borrow a dress, you'd wear something you don't like as much, but you'd get over it, right? And it'd be a one-time stressful situation. But instead, we choose to drag ourselves through years, potentially, of indecision, which is so much more stressful because it builds up because we can't just accept the truth. In this case, you just can't accept that you're not going to wear the dress because if you were, you would have worn it already and you refuse to make the decision of getting rid of it. Okay. And again, like if I look at that in my life, I dragged on for a year of every day. I swear it was almost every day I'd wake up. Maybe today I'm going to get something done, but I haven't. I haven't for a year. For a year, I've been stressing out. I haven't been blogging for a year because I'm not well. And if I had just decided that, if I had just let myself make that decision, you know, earlier on, maybe I would have gotten better quicker because maybe I would have spent, you know, nine, 10 months just resting instead of every day beating myself up. Okay. So this is an extreme example, but I do think that there's just so much power in making decisions for ourselves. There's so much mental clutter, mental load is these ongoing decisions that just haven't been closed. Look, I'll tell you one more example, actually, um, before this goes on too long. Through most of my 20s, I felt very stressed and anxious about my career path, right? So on one hand, I had been raised, I was really good at math and things when I was younger, to think that I was on a certain type of career path. Give you an example. I did this internship when I was like 16. It was with this aerospace engineering firm. I got to see the Hubble telescope. And they were like, you know, one day you might work for NASA. So they kind of like build these ideas in my head where I think I'm going to have this type of professional career to really fulfill my potential. But the other half of my brain is saying, I don't know if I really want that, right? Like I like some of the ideas about it, but I also really like um, the idea of entrepreneurship, of being self-employed, of creating my own schedule, being my own boss. I've always been quite free-spirited, so that really appealed to me. And throughout my entire 20s, if I look back, I can see that like my mental state, the mental load, the mental clutter that I carried with me for a decade was simply from not making that decision, from not accepting the truth, was that I didn't want that type of career that everybody thought I wanted. That um, you know, I was afraid, accepting that I was afraid of not living up to my potential. And what I eventually did, I can actively remember this like it was yesterday. It was around my 30th birthday. I can remember sitting down and actually saying to myself, making a clear decision. Okay, Jen, I am all right with not having that type of career path. And I can't even tell you how freeing it was, how freeing it was to just finally draw a line in the sand and let that go. And it was only because I did that, that I eventually, it didn't make all my problems go away. I still had to have a job I didn't like for a while. I didn't just become self-employed overnight, but it's only when I drew that line in the path that I was able to fully commit to the life that I wanted, right? And I was able to eventually, it took me a decade, but eventually stop my own business. So that's why I think that there's so much power in accepting. Sometimes it's accepting our situation. Sometimes it's accepting our truth, accepting what we really want, accepting what we don't want to hear, accepting that you're not going to wear that dress, right? But once you accept it, you can make a decision and then you can stop thinking about it, right? And um, 
It kind of reminds me of the concept of decision fatigue. You've all probably heard me talk about that before. When we're constantly making decisions, we start making poorer decisions. Our brain gets tired. So we want to let go of as many decisions as possible, especially something that you're dealing with every day. Okay, so maybe think about that. Think about your own life. Think about, is there anywhere where maybe you need to accept something? You know, on the decluttering front, for example, I have a lot of people who keep things because of their fantasy self, like, oh, I'm going to start running one day, or I'm going to start, so I've got a treadmill, or I really want to start knitting, so I've got this whole box of knitting. Maybe, and I'm not saying this is always the case, that's why this is very personal, but you have to ask yourself, is there somewhere where I need to practice acceptance? Do I need to realize that there's some things I'm not going to do? And then make that decision so that you're free to let go of whatever is hanging over your head. Okay? So that was one of the biggest lessons that I took away from last year. The second one is something, again, that I knew, you know, that blog post I was talking about. But again, I had to put it to the test, right? That's the common theme of this episode. So we all know the concept of values and priorities. You all know this whole concept, broadly speaking, that the things you do or the things that you buy or the things that you own even should be a reflection of the things that matter most to you, right? Your, your to-do list should reflect your values and priorities. And that's great. But the problem is that most of us, especially when things are going well in our lives, don't have to put our priorities to the test. So if I asked you, and I asked you to look at your to-do list, and there was 10 things on it, and I said, does this reflect your priorities? You'd be like, oh, yes. All 10 things here are absolutely important. Everything is important. There's nothing on this list that I could take off, right? I think that's often a case. We might feel busy. We might feel overwhelmed, but we might look at everything that we're trying to do and say, there's nothing else I can cut out. I hear that a lot. There's nothing else that I can cut out. And look, I'm not the person to judge whether that's true or not. But what I think is that everyone needs to test that for themselves because sometimes it's true and sometimes it's a story that we tell ourselves. So how that relates to the past year and when I was unwell is that before that, if you had asked me two years ago, I would have told you a whole list of things that I thought were absolutely essential for my everyday life, right? So um, part of it's like for my business, as I said, if you don't know Simply and Fiercely, um, this is more than just a hobby. This is actually how I pay my bills as well. So it's a small business and, you know, being online, there's a lot of things that I think are essential. Blogging, you know, showing up in social media, writing emails to the people on my email list. You know, all of this I've been taught is a priority for my business. Okay. And, you know, it's not just business. You might have things in other areas of your life. You might say, Oh, I have to do these things for my family or I'd be letting everyone down. These things are essential or things with housework. Oh, these are things I absolutely have to do every week. If I didn't, it would be a disaster. The world, you know, would come tumbling down. We all have those things that we think that we absolutely must do. But when you get sick, or not just sick, when you have any kind of adversity in your life that puts a restriction on your resources. So it might be for me, um, I had plenty of time, but I didn't have energy. So suddenly I have far less energy than normal. You might have a new responsibility that pops up and suddenly you have less free time than normal or, ne- or less time to devote to certain tasks like housework or, or you know, paid employment. Or, you know, realistically, it could also just be money. Like maybe you lose your job, right? And so now, or an unexpected expense comes up. So now you have less disposable income. 
whatever it is, now you are forced to put your priorities to the test. So I had a whole list of things that I thought was essential, but now realistically, you know, I could still get some things done, but maybe a quarter, less than a quarter, maybe 15% of what I usually am able to do with my new energy level. So what I had to say is, hey, these 10 things on my to-do list that I thought were essential, all of them, they can't all be essential. I need to test priorities. It's, um, I think I read somewhere, or maybe it was in some workshop attended, that the origin of the word priority is actually one. So you can't have 10 priorities. Really, one thing has to be priority, and then something's the next priority. And if you're not clear on it, then you don't know what to let go of when you're pressed, right? When you're pressed for time, when you're pressed for money, when you're pressed for energy. And so what I had to do was really test what was essential, not because I wanted to, but because my hand was forced. And so as you all saw that eventually I stopped blogging, I stopped podcasting. The only place that I really did show up was for the people who are in my paid programs. And that's when I realized, received some sort of additional clarity that in my business, the people who, you know, trust me to work with me are my number one priority. Okay. And then everything else can be really important. Obviously, I'm not going to have a business for long if I don't get new clients. But the first priority when my hand is pushed is the people that have joined my paid programs. And it's the same kind of thing. We all have to really push our, our hand to find out what our top priorities are. Now, you may be thinking, well, why, why would I do that? If I've got 10 things on my to-do list that feel important now, and I've got time to do them, why, why should I test myself? And the simple reason, if you can't guess, is because you may not always have all that time. So it's better to come in with the knowledge of what you would give up if you had to, because if you don't intentionally choose that, if you don't know, the universe will choose for you, right? Let's say that all of a sudden you lose half of your working hours for whatever reason, and now you have 20 hours of work a week instead of 40. Now, if you don't know what your most important tasks are, you're going to have to test then at the worst possible time, or you're not going to test. It's just going to get pushed. You're going to start working and then the end of the day will come and you haven't gotten everything done and the priorities are just going to be unfinished. It's like with your home and your home life. If you say that self-care is important, but you've also got 10,000 bits of housework that you need to do first, and right now you're managing it, but something happens and you have less energy, you're going to find that what matters to you may just fall to the wayside. It's just going to fall to the back burner. And actually, I think that's something that happens to a lot of people, women in particular, right now. We say that self-care is a priority, but it just keeps getting pushed to the back burner. And it's getting pushed there because we've got these other things that we think are essential, but you're not going to know until you test it. And how do you test it? You experiment doing less and seeing what kind of fallout happens. Okay? So it's not going to be fun. And I'll be honest, the last year wasn't fun for me. It was not fun to not do things that I thought were important. But it was only through going to that process that I realized, hey, if I don't show up on Instagram, the world isn't going to end. And that's freeing now. That has simplified my life moving forward. And it might be something, I don't know, it might be something as silly as thinking that you need to vacuum every other day. I'm not a very good housekeeper. I don't know what normal people do. But let's just say that's the mindset that feels important to you. And so you rearrange your life to make sure that you get that done, right? But you might find, hey, you've been doing that for 10 years, but you might find that if you try this week doing it every three days or every four days, 
might feel a bit uncomfortable at first, but you might be like, well, actually, I can live with that. It's not so bad. Hey, and now look, I've reclaimed some time in my life that I can use for things that are bigger priorities, right? Sometimes it's that superficial and sometimes it's harder. Sometimes it's sort of saying like you, and look, I'm not judging anyone. These are, these are hard decisions. That's the point. But it might be something like you're always in a battle between do I need to go to my kid's soccer game and watch it every Saturday? Or would I like sometimes to have a little bit of time for myself and you're struggling with mum guilt and you're trying to find that boundary between what is giving part of yourself over to your family and saving time for yourself that you need. And maybe you might need to experiment to find that boundary. Okay. Cause it might seem, I know, you know, I was actually hesitant to say that because I said some people might judge me at the idea of not going every week to your kid's soccer game. Right. But maybe, you know, what's good for your children is also what's, you know, is you taking care of yourself. So it might mean that one game a month, I don't know, I'm just picking things. The whole point is that there's no one right answer. You have to experiment. One soccer game a month, you don't go and you stay home and someone else in your family takes a kid and you spend the morning in the tub and you read a book or whatever it is that you want to do. But you've got to experiment. If you feel like your life right now, it's interesting because I started this saying, you know, you saying that all 10 things on your to-do list are your priorities, but sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes people are telling me, I don't have time for the things that are important to me, but I don't know what I can cut out. And that's another situation here where you need to go test. You need to test what you can give up. Because what I've learned the hard way is that you can give up lots of things. It might not feel comfortable at first, but if your well-being or other things in your life really are a priority, then give it a try. All right? So that is the second lesson, a very hard-earned lesson that I took away from last year. And the third one is a little bit different. It's not really something that was news to me, but it was just something that I constantly found myself being grateful. And that is how simplifying your life, doing the work to simplify, decluttering, it is not a magic pill. So a lot of people, when they start simplifying, they think that they can simplify their life to the extent where they're not going to have any problems. And I say that because that's kind of what I thought when I first started experimenting with minimalism. But the reality is, you know, when we think about it logically, that's not true. And I know because I simplified my life as much as I could, and I still got sick, and I still had to deal with all this adversity. And we're always going to have adversity no matter what. So that's kind of part one, reminding myself that no matter how much you simplify, you can't make your problems, all your problems go away. And here's the big but. Oh my goodness, I was so grateful for the simplifying that I've done. Because when you declutter and simplify your life, you are clearing out so much of the smaller problems so that when you have that limited energy, that limited time, you can use it on what matters. Okay. So for example, have you ever had, I don't think you have to have a long-term illness to experience this, even if you've had like the flu or something and you're sick and you're in bed and you're looking around your house, which is steadily getting worse because you're not cleaning. And to be honest, my husband helped a lot, which is usually we are both people who are helping we share a lot of the housework equally. And so when I'm not there doing my share, obviously it's hard for him, right? Because now he has to do his side and my side. And so things got a bit out of control. And I can remember how, you know, how easy it would be to look around my house and think, oh my Lord, how am I ever going to get caught up, right? To feel completely overwhelmed. But then I would feel grateful because I would remember because I have simplified and decluttered, like, look, you can pretty much trash my house I live in a 660 square foot two bedroom apartment with my husband and two kids. 
and you can pretty much trash this space and we can have it back to like 90% within two or three hours. And that is a gift that my previous self gave me by decluttering, simplifying, by downsizing. To be frank, living in a small house is a huge part of that. By teaching my kids certain aspects of simple living, I have made my life easier back when I didn't necessarily need it. And I guess it really just drove home how important it is to create white space in our life. You need to create white space in your spending, in your schedule, in your home, in your energy. You don't want to be running at 100%. You want to be running at 70%, 80%, even when you don't need to, because you don't know when something's going to come up. And you may not be able to go from 100% to 70% overnight, or at least not in a way that you want to, even though that your energy and your time has taken that at full. So it was really just a reminder of sort of reaffirming for me why I practice simplicity in my own life, why decluttering is important, and you know why I teach it. Because it's not just about having a clean home. It's not just about looking organized or have, um, achieving a certain look for your home or aesthetic. It is about creating that space, almost like a safety net for yourself so that when times are hard, you can deal with it so that you've got you know breathing room, room to breathe. And I think on so many levels, that's so important. And even though last year was quite possibly the most challenging of my life, I also had this to fall back on. And I'm so grateful for that. Okay. So hopefully there's something that you can take away with from this. Um, as I said, these might not be brand new ideas, but just framing it with the experience of getting, of becoming ill or just having to go through some difficult times just really helped me think about them in new ways. It really helped me think about the importance of not putting off decisions, of practicing acceptance, of practicing self-trust as well. And that's a big part of, if I go back to that first one, sometimes we can't make decisions because we don't have trust in ourselves. So self-trust is important. I'm actually going to be sending an email out about that. So if you're not on my mailing list, then make sure that you go to simplyfiercely.com and sign up there. But anyway, um, how important self-trust is, how important it is to constantly be testing your priorities, to testing what's essential and what's not, and not just falling into old habits and doing what we've always been doing, and how creating white space, how decluttering and simplifying before you need it is a gift that you're giving your future self. Okay, you're, you're knowing, acknowledging that someday down the road, things are going to be hard and you're trying to set yourself up for success in the future. It's, it's really an act of self-kindness. So that's all for me for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you everyone who stuck around with me during what was a challenging year and hopefully 2023 is going to be new and better for all of us. All right, so thank you so much and have a good day. Thank you for listening to the Simply and Fiercely show. If you want to learn more, you can download my free mindful decluttering guide and learn all the secrets that help me go from shopaholic to minimalist. All you need to do is visit simplyfiercely.com backslash free guide. That's all one word to get instant access. Until next time. Thanks again.